Hi, welcome to A Higher Standard by Bushel, where we bring you behind the scenes of the craft, organic, and sustainable side of the cannabis industry. Here with us today is Ricky and Mark from Sacred Flower Farms, a recreational cannabis producer located in Southern Oregon. Super excited to have you guys on the podcast today. Um, if you want to just start, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, where you came from, what you do for Sacred Flower, and, um, you know, what's your favorite part about being in the, uh, the cannabis industry? Yeah, it sounds good. Uh, my name's Mark. I'm the chief cultivator and uh, co-owner at Sacred Flower Farms. Um, I came out to Southern Oregon about five years ago. Um, previous to that, I was in the um, restaurant industry in Austin, Texas. I, uh, I came out here um, originally to grow a, a medical garden, and I think part of the influence um, for me wanting to come out here and do this came from my uh, culinary background in the way that working in restaurants, we always wanted to source the highest quality ingredients um, to make the best product. And those, those ingredients are typically always going to be locally sourced from organic farmers. And I wanted to kind of do the exact same thing in the cannabis industry. And that's how I came to be out here. I also like the idea of the freedom that it provides and the organic outdoor environment as opposed to a damp, cold, dark kitchen. Yeah, much different uh, scenery out in Southern Oregon, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right on. My name is Ricky Garcia. Uh, I'm an investor, an advisor. Uh, you know, I help out with sales and marketing for the farm. Um, Bill Frost, who's unfortunately unable to be here, is my brother-in-law, uh, also a co-owner of the farm with Mark, uh, working on a day-to-day basis out there. Um, and I've been influenced by cannabis my entire life. Um, definitely been a, a connoisseur, uh, learned a lot, researched a lot. And then once this opportunity kind of presented itself, uh, I absolutely wanted to dive right in. Uh, it's something that I've kind of wanted to do for a while. Uh, being from Texas um, in a conservative state where we don't actually have a lot of these uh, liberties like like some of these other states have, uh, like Oregon, uh, I was very interested in the fact that we were going to do this out there, um, and, and obviously with the, the expansion that we're doing currently. So very excited about this and really excited to get our brand uh, out in the market. Yeah, absolutely. Can you guys tell me a little bit about Sacred Flower Farms? Um, you know, I've been to the location. I love everything that you guys are doing, which is why I'm, you know, super excited to have you guys on here. But can you tell me a little bit more about, um, you know, the brand itself and, and the products you guys create and, and how you go about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're an OLCC licensed tier two recreational farm. Um, we have 15 acres um, out between Medford and Jacksonville. Um, and we, uh, we're, we're DIM Pure certified from Dragonfly Earth Medicine, which certifies us as an organic closed loop regenerative farm 
we're very proud to have that um, certification. Uh, sure. Yeah. So, so there's, um, you know, like, like I was talking about with, with the DIMPURE certification and the closed loop systems, um, we, we have an obligation to, to grow a lot of our own food, which we do there, um, have pollinator gardens for, for bees and different plant diversity that attracts um, beneficial insects and beneficial predatory insects. Um, you know, we, we, we messed around this past year with doing some of our own breeding projects within cannabis, which is real fun. I'm really excited to see um, how, how all of that turns out. Um, we also yeah. just make sure that, that we have a, a large plant diversity, like a polyculture. Um, and then with soil building, uh, what we, what we try and do is, is just continue layering like lasagna layers of biomass via straw and alpaca manure and worm castings and, you know, things like malted barley and top dressing with um, the remnants, the leftover remnants of, you know, of a pressed out ferment, just building that soil through layers. Um, and then also uh, doing carbon sequestering um, via Hugel culture, which is essentially the practice of like burying old, like rotting, or not even, not even, don't even necessarily have to be rotting, but burying logs in the soil. And it helps to um, provide a, a home for beneficial bacteria and fungus. And then it, it acts as a sponge. So over time, you know, you, you can start to water these types of beds less and less because the logs hold so much moisture and can release it to the plants as the plants need it. And it's a great way to save water and, um, you know, capture carbon for long-term yeah. storage. I'm just imagining this image of lasagna on your property and all the different layers of everything you've got going on there. Um, on yeah. that note, also, how long ago did you guys get this started? And, you know, I, from my understanding, it takes time to build a, uh, you know, regenerative kind of no-till atmosphere. And to be honest, actually, the taking time part kind of changed recently. I listened to a podcast by this guy, uh, Dr. Zach Bush, who talked a lot about, you know, the future of regen ag and all the benefits that it has in mm -hmm. combating global warming and, you know, obviously the carbon sequestering. And he actually said it only takes about 18 months to, you know, get your, your growing process in a, in a direction where there is no more requirement to till and it is, um, you know, can begin regenerating the earth. But just for context, how long have you guys been, been working on this sacred flower uh, farms project? Um, I believe we purchased that property in 2016. It might have been 2015, but I believe it was 16. Okay. Um, and basically what we did with, is I, I have a friend that was up in Eugene. He was making this amazing soil blend that, you know, essentially had everything you could ever want in, in a perfectly built living soil. So we brought that in and used it to top dress the native soil to kind of help kickstart that soil back to life. Right. And then what we do is we just make sure that we have really thick layers of mulch to keep that soil protected and warm when it's freezing and keep all of that um, biology alive in there. Yeah. You mentioned biology and, you know, I took 
biology up until high school and the stuff that you're talking about is completely way over my head. So how did you, you know, how did you learn all of this? How did you get started? Because you guys, you, know, you said that you've only been doing this for, um, you know, two and a half years or three years since 2016. But do you have a, a background in biology and in, I know you mentioned you're in the restaurant industry, but how did you learn so much about soil and, and cannabis and, you know, the proper nutrients yeah. that the plant needs and everything like that? Yeah, so so when I first moved out here, um, I bought a five-acre property out in Grants Pass and ran, a, a, for a couple of years, a, a medical garden out there. And I, I essentially um, sold my home in Austin, um, packed up my family, took er, took my life savings, bought this property. And so it was, it was, it was kind of a do-or-die moment for me. So my first year... Um, I, I didn't really know what I was doing and I was learning the whole time and I was constantly trying to learn the right way to do it. it you know, an organic way without using synthetic bottled nutrients was the, was the direction that I was somewhat guided towards. You know, my brother told me, just put it in dirt and feed it teas. And that's what I was given to start with. So I had to, Simple. I had to figure out, first of all, um, how you make a compost tea. <laughs> I, yeah. I figured that out. And this is just through hours of reading. Um, books like Teeny with Microbes was a was a huge book in my life. And then, you know, a, a lot of YouTube videos and and uh and forums. Um and through once once I got done reading Teeny with Microbes is when things really started to click. And I started meeting some like-minded people and really kind of vibing off of them and learning through, you know, what they were doing. And, and that's when we got into the whole Korean natural farming aspect, which was a whole nother rabbit hole that I got to dive down into. But yeah, yeah. essentially, um, I was at a point at my medical garden where it was like, well, th this is everything I have, so I better do it and I better do it right and it better be good and there better be a lot of it. Yeah, that's great. So, um, you know, speaking of the Korean natural farming technique, because that's what you guys still incorporate today, um, mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious to dive into that rabbit hole. You know, that was one of the things that stood out most to me when I came to <laughs> your farm for the first time a few a few years ago at this point. And, you know, I had visited a bunch of different farms and coming, mm -hmm. you know, onto your property, the first thing that you guys mentioned is that you know, nothing that you guys use on that property is, is imported uh, other than some predatory bugs, I believe you mentioned. Right. And everything else that you need for the nutrients and the fertilizer, that's all done from, you know, things that are already growing on the property. So, I'm, you know, I would love to dive a little bit deeper into that and hear, you know, how you came across Korean natural farming techniques and how you guys yeah. incorporate them in your in your practice today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I was blessed. To, to have a really good friend, um, my, my buddy Brandon. Um, he's he's also Dragonfly Earth Medicine uh, Pure Certified, and he's the one that kind of led me down that path. We had been going to these meetings once a month in Grants Pass, and um, I, when I finally got to meet him, I was just drilling him with questions like, "What what is a ferment? How do you make a ferment? What what is all this?" And you know, he started to explain it to me, and then again, I would jump on YouTube and and different forums and, and start finding um, university uh, published studies. Um, 
and then I, I started, I did, I made my first ferment on my medical farm, realized the simplicity and beauty of it, and just kept rolling with it from there. And so what we do um, is we'll, we'll utilize things that we see that are already growing on the farm native that are very vibrant and green and rich and you know something like let's say you know blackberries are, are pretty prevalent in southern Oregon and so we will go out early in the morning and take cuttings from the from the growth tips the newest growth tips off the blackberry bush you know the first like four to six inches that's that bright vibrant green and in doing that, you're, the, the thought process is that you, you take that vibrancy and feed it to your soil, to the, to the cannabis plants. Um, so native um, plants that are just out there normally are, are definitely something that we utilize. And then with, within the farm, we're also growing a number of different dynamic accumulating plants specifically for what they provide. Um, to the soil and to the plant. So, for example, um, we're we're growing a, a big patch of alfalfa, um, which is super high in nitrogen, um, and is a great source of of like a nitrogen boost early in vegetative growth for the plants. They they really just thrive off of that high nitrogen. And again, that's something that we can buy organic seed from, plant a little patch out there. And it doesn't take a whole lot with Korean natural farming techniques. Uh, the dilution rates on these concentrated extracts are, you know, one part ferment to 500 parts water or one part ferment to a thousand parts water. So a so little you, goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you take these, these wildflowers and I believe at one point you're using the weeds as well, that very common weed where, you know, anybody that walks out in their front yard in the summer would see it growing. Um, mm -hmm. The name is escaping me at the moment. So you take these, uh, you know, plants that are growing on your property, the alfalfa, the the blueberries, uh, and you, you ferment it. What is it that you ferment it with exactly? Um, so we use the, the general, you know, recipe that I roll with is the one straight out of the Korean natural farming handbook, which is um, an equal part by weight of brown sugar to plant biomass. And then mm -hmm. it's inoculated with um, an anaerobic beneficial bacteria. And I generally use Bokashi for that um, or uh, uh, EM1. And after that, it's, especially when I'm making ferments during the summer and it's, it's nice and hot in that barn, um, the, uh, the ferments finish uh, quite rapidly. Um, yeah. And then so with yeah, that, you, you, can, you know. No, go ahead. Yes. So with that, it's, it's all very highly concentrated. You've, you know, put it through some sort of, process where then you extract all of the liquid and keep the the re remnants of the organic matter um and then you take right, those you know that liquid yeah yeah so we're not we don't add any water um and that that's an important thing to mention so okay. that what you get is is this just syrup um super thick very concentrated liquid you know in some cases depending on what your ferment you're you're fermenting you you might get a, a very small amount for example you know we grow comfrey 
and it, it, it yields fantastically when it's, when it's mixed with the brown sugar. It really draws out a lot of moisture. Um, whereas when we do like a chamomile ferment, it, it, it's a lot less yield. But it's, I mean, it's incredibly potent. And again, it doesn't take a whole lot. So like if we were to say doing a foliar spray with the chemical, with the, uh, sorry, the chamomile, then, uh, you know, if you're using a two gallon sprayer, you're talking about like a couple of tablespoons. So a little, a little will go a long way. Got it. Got it. And then you just take that, you know, the residual from what came out of the ferment, the liquid, and you just put that into those, um, you know, big tanks that you always see on these farms and you just irrigate it out and feed all the plants with that essentially plant matter to an extent. Right. Exactly. It, it's a plant yeah. extract. Um, and what we'll, what we'll do is we have the, these 2,500 gallon tanks, and then we also have like a, a little a smaller 375 gallon tank. But I like to put the pour the ferments in there and 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 aerate them for a time being, whether that be an hour or whether it be uh, 24 hours. That's that's generally what I like to do. Got it. So you're feeding plants to your plants. Exactly. I love that. I love that. And then when it comes down to you know, fighting pests and mites and mold and everything else that, you know, happens when you're, when you're growing things, you also use the plants and the ferment for that as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, we can make, you know, a, a, another, a couple other examples of, of things that we have growing on the farm or we have a chocolate mint that's very fragrant and strong with, you know, we're ha we have rosemary and lavender. Um, we have lemon balm, lemon verbena, all of these incredibly potent, super, super fragrant plants that um, bugs, at least the bad bugs, generally tend to hate. And so we can yeah. we can take things like that and, and ferment it and make it into like a highly concentrated liquid that we can spray on the plants as a preventative. Um, mm -hmm. And then we also use uh, predatory mites. Um, so... Uh, Andersoni, uh, Cucumeris, and Swirsky are all predatories that we introduce to the garden on a regular basis um, throughout the growing season. And they just go through and they eat all the bad mites that would do damage to your plants, yeah? Exactly, exactly. We also like to, we do have a, a pretty awesome just native praying mantis population um, so those are always great to have, as well as the ladybugs. But I usually will buy like a couple prey mantis eggs when they're in season, just to hang up in a couple of the plants and and let those kind of do their thing as well. Awesome. You're all self-taught when it comes to all of this. Yes, exactly. Got it. And then you know, it seems like a lot of work. It seems like a lot of research and education and time and energy and effort that you've put into refining this process and getting it to a point where it is today where, I mean, your product is just incredible. Everything you guys are doing is, you know, leading this part of the industry. Uh, so I, my question to you is, is why? Uh, you know, why did you spend the time and the energy to, you know, dedicate your, your work and your craft to this, you know, organic, sustainable, regenerative, uh, part of agriculture. Um, well, I, I think it it's just kind of part of my you know karmic calling, so to speak. Um, 
you know, making a positive impact on the earth and helping others see commercial agriculture in a different light, you know. It, this yeah. this this uh, particular technique of growing is is always seems to be thought of as oh well that that's great that that works on on your little you know one acres or your forty eight plants but in reality right. this is something that can be transferred over in a commercial scale very simply and could have a huge impact on the health of of our soils and our ocean. You know, we have these yeah. huge dead zones right off of the coast that are all from agricultural runoff, and there's no need for that. The the runoff that we're creating at our farm is beneficial. The runoff that gets in, that runs into our water canal is going to only make that water cleaner. And that's what everybody should be yeah. doing. You know, right. there's, a, there's a really amazing guy um, out in Hawaii. His name's Chris Trump. And uh, he's he's kind of like one of the Korean natural farming spokespeople for the U.S. And uh, he has an 800-acre macadamia farm that he does nothing but ferments on it. And it's wow. one of the healthiest um, macadamia farms uh, in the U.S. And people so are, are continually like blown away by um, his ability to each year just be better and better and more profitable to the point now that other macadamia farmers are coming to him and saying like, okay, man, now we're interested. Yeah. So you've, you know, dedicated your time and energy to this. You are, you know, very much focused in pursuing this as your growing practice moving forward. So what kind of, you know, what, what would you like to see the future of, you know, the community that you have established around you and, you know, the greater cannabis industry at large, what kind of future would you like to see, you know, for the industry to incorporate and to, to make the norm when, you know, this industry inevitably does go nationwide and becomes federally legal and, you know, the footprint that we currently have with, you know, the states that are recreationally legal and the states that have, you know, smaller markets or, or bigger markets, all scale, you know, all, all of that's going to get bigger. Uh, so what's your, you know, how would you like to see that unroll when it comes to the actual techniques and the processes that go into growing these products? Well, I think it would be, a, I think it starts first and foremost with um, educating your consumer base. And so, you know, I really appreciate things like this that, that people can access and and uh, get to kind of a better understanding of what exactly the process is and, and, and why it's, you know, better in, in, in every aspect overall. Um, yeah, I would say so, that. And then, and what, what Mark has done a really good job of is, is also kind of extending his reach to mentorship within the Dempure family. And like you mentioned, Brandon, um, right. but then also, um, you know, getting introduced to Emma Jason, I think, is also pretty good uh, from a, a networking standpoint. She's done a great, a great job of educating others across the globe. So I think having different partnerships, different people within your network that you can plug into that can help push your brand, push what you're doing, like we're doing right now, mm -hmm. um, it's really going to help us get the word out. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, we we see ourselves at Bushel, you know, being the biggest advocates for this part of the industry and simply just trying to build a platform where consumers can hear directly from you and see, you know, exactly how you guys manufacture your products and, and grow your, your flower and really get a firsthand, you know, behind the scenes view on, on 
what they're actually consuming and where it comes from and who it's supporting and, you know, how it is in fact benefiting the earth. You know, our thing is, like I mentioned before, cannabis is going to be America's, you know, one of America's largest agricultural industries in the next five to 10 years. And Mm -hmm. today is, you know, such a pivotal moment in the infancy of this industry where we have the opportunity to actually get started on the right foot and take the learnings from all of the other agriculture industries that are now looking back and trying to figure out how, what they need to change and how they need to change it to become more sustainable and regenerative. But cannabis has that very unique opportunity where, you know, we're at this point today and we're only going to get bigger and, you know, it's important to get bigger using the right growing techniques and manufacturing processes and, you know, ethical business because, you know, we, we have that ability to set, a higher standard when it comes to agricultural industries. Exactly. So, um, I think um, moving as, as smaller scale cannabis growers start to move into this more commercialized market, uh, a lot of us, or at least, you know, there, there's a handful of, of really knowledgeable um, people that are taking techniques like what we're doing and know that they can scale that. So I think that yeah. level of, consciousness that the old school cannabis cultivators bring to big ag could have a really positive impact because this isn't just for cannabis you know like like i, I mentioned the macadamia farm i mean you, you can do this with with any crop you want right i think that's i mean ultimately you know we've seen the price dive here um and you know we're we're hoping to see a boost with that uh come federal legalization as people hopefully seek out the stuff from the Emerald Triangle, that, that famous Oregon sun grown. Um, but, uh, I lost my train of thought there. Sorry. I'll hop you on another track. Um, two more questions and then we'll, we'll wrap up. What are, what are the future plans for sacred flower farms? Um, you know, what, what's coming out next? What are you guys most excited about? What should people be looking for on the market with you guys? Yeah, so um, we're we're really excited, and I'll, I'll let Ricky touch on this after I finish here. Um, we we got into hemp um, last year, so so 2018 was our first hemp harvest, and uh, we're excited to ha- add that um, to our repertoire of goods because it's something that is already legalized on a nationwide scale and it we can offer it to a much broader audience so we're really excited about some of the stuff that we're doing there and i'll let ricky kind of and this, give, give you some more info is, about that is all grown the same using the same techniques as your um exactly 10 acres all done with free and natural farming inputs Wow. Yeah, so you went from two acres scale. to 10 acres with it. Right. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Ricky. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, no. It's okay. Um, I was going to say the same thing when he was talking about scale and other farms, and really you could kind of use this type of mentality across anything. Um, we saw that as a great opportunity for us as we were going to, you know, expand into CBD, into the hemp, hemp world, um, how we could possibly do this at a much larger scale. So that is exactly the road we're going down now as we've just recently purchased some additional land um, and and looking to kind of really really go big uh, this next year about four to five x what we did uh, this current year 
Um, There'll yeah. be a lot so of sacred gonna... flower farms out there for people to uh, to find. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we we stayed really close to where we were at. You know, we're in. Uh, I think we're currently in Medford. So, uh, the the farm that we're looking at or that we're moving into is is going to be in Ashland, which is really close, also in Southern Oregon. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're super excited. Uh, being able to show this now on a larger scale really kind of shows the world and everyone, hey, you can do this, and we we can't wait to prove it to people. That's great. I can't wait to see it. I, I yeah, we've got really some exciting. Yeah, we've got some exciting products um, coming out that are CBD based so we can get them into the hands of people all over the place. We're making a super potent um, CBD tincture that's really amazing. It's 2,600 milligrams. It's one of the highest ones on the market. Wow. Um, and it's all done with our, our biomass, our flower, our DIM Pure certified. Awesome. Yeah, we have a question. I was going to say, we tested around 17% um, this past year, which was, was really exciting for our first first shot at it. Um, and it, it opened up some eyes, uh, definitely. So we're excited to see this, not only in the tinctures that we're going to roll out, but we're also going to bring vape, vape to the market and then also um, some roll-ons as well uh, is kind of the, some of the future we're looking at, some topical. So it, yep. it should be a great combination. And, and we'll look at some different avenues as well. Uh, come up. Awesome. Awesome. And then uh, I lied. There are two more questions. So this isn't the last one, but the one, one last thing that you want people to take away from listening to this podcast about sacred flower farms. What's the, you know, if anybody mentions the name, if anybody is telling their friend about it, what's the one thing that should go along with sacred flower farms? Um, I think that living organic farming promotes a, a higher quality cannabis flower with, without the need for, you know, toxic chemicals and poisonous pesticide sprays. And when you work closely with nature, you're going to get the best product that you can possibly get. And that goes for cannabis. It goes for tomatoes. It goes for strawberries, you know, anything that's grown. If it's done with love and intent and care, then, you know, that's what we do. And I think, I think it speaks for itself. Yeah. I mean, I'd say to add to that, if I were to add my two cents, um, we, we have it on our, on our website. It's, it's a conscious intent to grow it the right way, to do it the right way. And we want to show people how we're doing it. We don't want to hide it or, it's not some sort of secret sauce. I mean, maybe some of the ingredients may may hold on to, but <laughs> for the most part, it's it's really it's really something we want people to know about and be educated what they're putting into their bodies, regardless of how they're doing it. Exactly. Right. Great. That's great. And uh, now for the last question, where can people find you um, on social, on the internet, in stores? Um, where where would you direct people to find you guys? Ricky. Yeah, so um, various different dispensaries, obviously, all across Oregon um, for the THC part of the business. Um, and then soon we're going to be rolling out CBD flour. We have uh, packs that we've really done a really good job since the Oregon market has been ha- obviously had an influx of flour. It has been somewhat difficult uh, to, to get, you know, pounds of flour out. So what we did is created a biodegradable package a company called Bailey and Murphy that we've basically kind of engulfed with us into our partnership 
Um, they've created some homegrown packs that we can put out into the market. We're also going to turn our CBD flower into some packs as well. Um, so we're excited about that. Um, obviously, that'll be in Oregon. Um, as we're, we're looking to expand uh, the CBD market, uh, e-commerce on our website, sacredflowerfarms.com. You can also go to our Instagram, sacred.flower.farms, and, and look us up. Um, we're constantly trying to update it as much as we can. We're a small team, so we try to do as much as we can with the little uh, amount of folks that we have. But uh, please check us out, and, and we'll definitely keep on updating it. We're going to have a pretty good update to our website pretty soon uh, that will add some, some new New stuff as far as current harvest, current product products, and then also um, our CD offerings. Awesome. And one quick note: those Bailey and Murphy packages, those are biodegradable, correct? Yeah, that's Absolutely. right. They're all made out of, um, I, awesome. I believe, hemp, and and they're wrapped in hemp-based plastic too. Yep. Yeah, that, yeah, we that's use a company that. called Soma. Yeah, got it. What's just wanted to get that in there because while we were talking a lot about the regenerative farming practices, we didn't touch much on, you know, the sustainability side that goes with uh, farming regeneratively. So, um, yeah, ideally we want to mirror that. Yeah, we want to mirror that across everything that we do. Uh, it shouldn't be just a let's let's be regenerative for this and not everything, right? That's the same reason why we totally utilize the, the rest of our land. We had a lot of land not being used. Um, we turned it into hemp. So it's it's fully utilized now, um, and we're going to continue to do that as we continue to grow and scale. Exactly, and, and all keeping it, you know, to the same practices that we use in cannabis. So this year we're we're we've put in cover crop. Um, so we'll be you know beginning to build those lasagna layers I was talking about, except on a larger scale and with a diverse cover crop to do it for us. Awesome. I look forward to what's to come, and I appreciate you guys for taking the time to chat today and share a uh, behind-the-scenes look at Sacred Flower Farms. Yeah, thanks so much, yeah. Josh. We appreciate it. Thanks, Josh. We appreciate Absolutely. the partnership with Bushel. Absolutely. Thank you.